Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. So this week, I'm just kind of going to do a continuation of what I did last week and answer some of the questions that you guys submitted through Instagram. But this time I have a special guest here. Your husband. <laughs> My hot and fabulous husband, Darren, is here with me tonight. And you know what? He's being a good sport because he's had a long week at work. And I'm pretty sure that recording a podcast is about the last thing you want to do right now. True or false? Yeah, it's been a long week, long yeah. hours of work. But you're a good husband and you promise. <laughs> Sometimes you're a good husband. You were annoying me a bit today, but you promised. So here we are. Yes, we are. So thank you. Thank you. So guys, you know what? I'm just going to dive right in because you guys have sent a lot of questions and there's basically a wide variety of questions. So we're just going to start and we're going to plow through them and there's really no particular theme. So Darren, are you ready to hear what my friends on Instagram want to know? I am. Are they all to me or are they to us or to you? Uh, They're to both of us. And there's a couple that were to me, but I felt like we could both answer them together. Okay. Okay, let's go. Just so you guys know, we are sitting here. We're having a little cocktail too, because it's just been it's just been one of those weeks. And it's getting towards the end of the week. Yeah, it's pretty much Friday. <laughs> anyway, okay, so the first question comes from LDG Realtor. And it is, did your stepkids ever constantly pick up Reese or teach her bad habits when she was little? How did you deal? You know what? I feel like she knows things that maybe not all four-year-olds know, but I think that just comes with having older siblings, right? I don't think I, that's yeah, just... I don't think it had anything to do with step. I think it was just having older kids around. But again, they are older and, and she probably has learned things that um, she wouldn't have come across on her own. She definitely sure. has an advanced vocabulary for a four-year-old. Yeah, some of the wit that comes out of her is... Yeah, you're like, who's YouTube? At the same time, it's, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. She learned that. Yeah, and as far as like picking her up or, you know, doing bad habits and things like that, like honestly, I think that, yeah, it can be frustrating when you're trying to say like, get your kid to walk or, you know, let them be independent. And then, you know, kids come in and they pick her up or they're just trying to like love on her. But I think you have to think about that as being a good thing because that means that they're paying attention to her. It's not like they're just like walking through the room and not even acknowledging that she's there. So... You know, it can be frustrating, but honestly, at the end of the day, it's it's not it's not a huge deal. I think it's been harmless, anything that she's really picked up on. I think it's, again, just older siblings and their friends egg her on sometimes when a group of Zach's friends, when he had his birthday party, uh, I think it was two years ago, she was down with all the boys and they were all getting cracked up by what she would say. And or what and, they would get her to say. Yeah. And she might try to hug one of them and they're in an age where they didn't want a girl hugging them. So, yeah. It's just, I think it just comes to the territory of having older siblings. The next question is, and you know, I don't, I'm not going to say everyone's name because I feel like there's some people who want to probably remain anonymous with the questions that they submit. So the next question is, do you think there comes a time when it's appropriate for kids to decide where they want to stay? We talked about this. That's a tough one because 
I love that, you know, we had neighbors that they came from a split family and, you know, until they went away to school, university or college, they did the back and forth with their parents. And I think that was wonderful. The parents both got equal time and I love our time with the kids. Sure. I'd love more time, but I also think they need to see their mom. So I think it's healthy that they see both parents, but obviously they're going to get to an age at some point where they might spend more time at one home over the other. And it may not be because of that parent. It may be just the convenience of where the house is located. It may be the bedroom there, or the, there could be a numerous, numerous reasons why they would Mm -hmm. spend more time at one home over the other, but. And, you know, sometimes people have rules, like kids will have rules at one house and it's easier at one house than it is the other. They have more freedom. And there are situations where kids who are, you know, in divorced families, they do use that to their advantage. I think that's the worst when they play the parents off of each other. And, and you do see that actually growing up, I had some friends that their parents were split and they used to take full advantage of that. If they weren't getting their way at one home, they would go to the other. And, and again, there are times where they just want to be somewhere over the other spot again, whether it's to do with friends or school. And, um, but I, I think it's best for the kids to see both their parents. Yeah. Maybe not. And there's 50, situations, 50, but uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's situations where it's abusive or where there's, it's not a healthy relationship and that's definitely an entirely different situation. But another question that was submitted said, have you ever noticed the kids preferring asking to stay extra days at one of the homes? And how do you deal with that? And I think we have dealt with that. There has been times when, you know, one of the kids have pref- wanted to be here and express that they wanted to move here and stay here. And as great as it feels to have, you know, there is a bit of just, you feel good that they want to be there. And you, it, you just, how do you even describe that? There's that good feeling that comes with that. But I think we've been all really good because there's also been times when someone has wanted to be with their mom more because of certain circumstances. So you guys are super, you're on the same page and you just, it's just a non-negotiable. You go back and forth. Yeah. I, there's never been this poll trying to sway the kids one way or the other. Yeah, certainly it's wonderful when the kids want to be here. You want that. You want them to be around and they're excited and they're having fun. And But I again, I go back to, I don't think you want to sway them one way or the other. And when you get those moments where they want to be at the other place or they want to be here more, we have always been really good at, no, you know, you need your time at the other spot. And I think the kids get into a routine and it's just accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it, we have, I think we've all been very good at just saying there's, there's no room for manipulation here. Like if there needs to be a conversation between both houses, there's a conversation and you can't kind of pit one house over the other and, and go where the rules are better. It's just, it's, it's just not really an option. Yeah. And you know, the rules are the rules and we hope to try and co-parent the same way, but there are times where the kids, when they were younger would call me if there would be a dispute, even though they were at their mother's house and, I would try my best to diffuse the situation. And, you know, I'm sure the same thing happened here. There'd be something happening here and they call their mother. And, mm-hmm. and I just don't think you can, I think it's better to talk to the parent and find out what's going on rather than try and make a decision as the absent T parent or the parent that's not there. Totally. And I remember one time I got a phone call from my stepson and he was telling me something that had happened and needed me to come pick him up. And I was hearing his side of the story and I was like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? This is, this is terrible. 
And so then I get a call from their mom and she tells me the whole story and I was 100% on her side, right? But if I would have never had that conversation with her, I would have thought very, very differently about the situation. I think it's so important for parents, even if you don't get along, even if you you know, would prefer not to have conversations with each other, to recognize that when your kids are telling you a story or telling you it's, it's their lens and they're going to be very selective about what parts of the story that they tell you. And it might not be the entire picture. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So another question is, so how, if at all, have you changed your conflict styles to better match those of the other person? You and I, like how, when we fight. You and I fighting or? Yeah, which? I think so. I think that's us. Like, how have you changed your <laughs> conflict style to fight better with me? I think I've, Learn to turn away, talk to myself, and say, "Is this really worth it?" Whatever. And then bite my tongue. <laughs> Whatever. You know what? Yeah, but no. I think. Do you know what I think is really good about us is that, and we're guys. We we do argue. Like if if I'm upset about something, Darren's going to know in about three seconds. Two. And, yeah, and vice versa. I do think we are very good at just expressing to each other. So we will have a very heated conversation and then in 10 minutes we can be completely fine. Like I think that's a good quality in our relationship. But what I think that we have done well at is that there's times when I am like, okay, this isn't actually a big deal. So I'll walk away to diffuse the situation. And there's other times when you feel that way. So we kind of balance each other out that way, because I think when we first got together, we both really like to have the last word. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. We like to have the last word. Why don't you just I've... let me have the last word? <laughs> uh, sometimes I do. Yeah. 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 Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so we have we have definitely learned to fight better over the years, but I always say it is important to have arguments. I think it's important to kind of get things off your chest and if you're not on the same page about something, then you can, you know, have a conversation and if it gets a little heated, it gets a little heated. I think that that's normal. I think it's good to know right away, but again, we learned a lot earlier on when things would happen and I don't know if we touched on this in another podcast where things would happen with the kids and I'd come walking in the door and you would be right on me with you're mad at this, you're upset about that. And now I come home and I haven't had one of those in ages where you come up and you're upset about something that's happened. Usually what'll happen is you'll tell me a couple hours later, you know, one of the kids did this and I didn't agree with it. And this is how I dealt with it rather than coming to me and saying, you need to do this because your kid did this kind of thing. And I think that's healthy to deal with the situation yourself and then tell me what happened and then I can address it as well. Mind you, I did come into the garage tonight and tell you about Fortnite. That was ticking me off. Yeah. There's still moments, but it's <laughs> not as, you know, there used to be times I'd be coming home from work and I'd, you'd get to the door and you'd be this and that, and you need to do this and you need to, and I'm like, just, can I take my shoes off and take my briefcase to the office? And, and it, yeah. would, it would be pretty intense. And now that hasn't happened in a long time, but again, that's, we've grown. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally true. Okay. So another question, does he, which is Darren ever feel torn between you and the ex? I don't think so. No, not at all. You know, usually I'm not even sure what that would refer to, whether siding with someone on a disagreement with the kids or something to do with parenting, but no, I'm never torn. You and I usually talk things through on what we think and she and I disagree on certain things, but it's just a disagreement, but I wouldn't say there's any of that. 
I would say you and I are very much a team. And even our friends said that to us the other day. So the, the two of you are just, are very much, yeah, a team. All right. That, that answers that question then. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So how do you split discipline with your stepkids? Or do you have Darren do all of the discipline? How do we handle that now? I think at first, going back to what I was saying about you coming to me to do the punishment or talk to the kids, I think at first it was on my shoulders. I think now you will make the punishment. You know, we had an incident with a messy room and we had called one of them out on it and it wasn't addressed. And you said, this is what's going to happen. And you just filled me in. It wasn't that I had to make the decision. I agreed with it. Yeah. We were both on the same page. So I think, again, that comes with being together longer and growing and getting comfortable as you're in in your role. Maybe at the beginning, you wouldn't have done that. You would have talked to me and said, what's going to be the punishment. And I would have decided on the punishment, but I think now you'll say, this is what I told them and this is what's going to happen. And hopefully I agree with it. Yeah. And that could happen again, whether it's stepchildren or a non-blended family, the parents could disagree on what the punishment is. Absolutely. I had that before I split where one of us would come up with a punishment and I might not agree with what she did. And we weren't, you know, dealing with a step parent. Yeah. But I think what makes that situation different now is that when it is a step parent, the quote unquote real parent kind of can trump the step parent. And that's where there's that. And I, I, I agree. I agree. That's true. Sometimes that can happen if I adamantly disagree with something. I yeah. just say, no, I'm not going to go along with that. Totally. And, you know, but I will say in terms of punishment and discipline and all of that, I always take my cues from the kids. So there's times if I'm, I'm not feeling like my relationship is great with one of my stepkids and I feel like there's something that we, you know, it, it's not maybe the best route for me to have that conversation. There's been times when I'm taking a step back and you have dealt with everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just, I totally disengage from parenting and that's not because I don't love them or that I don't care or, you know, I don't think that they notice or feel like, you know, I've totally backed off from them. But I think that I do that basically because it's very important to me to have a healthy relationship with them. And I know that at that point we're kind of rocky. And so I'm focusing on, you know, building that relationship and, you know, restoring that relationship. And so I'm not going to go and, you know, say your fortnight is gone for two weeks or say, something, you know, you give me your cell phone for two weeks and implement that punishment because, you know, they're often more forgiving of their parent than they are their step parent, especially when that relationship is kind of rocky to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It's the old scenario. You're not my parent, so I don't necessarily have to listen to you. And, and we've had that and we've gotten over that, but Mm -hmm. it it can come up again if the kids really want to. Yeah. And you know what guys, that I, I'll link, I wrote a blog post cause that did happen to me once there was a conversation that says, I don't have to listen to her. She's not my mom. And I'll, I, uh, I responded to that and wrote it in a blog post actually. So I will link that uh, below. So if you want to check that out, you can go and check that out. This podcast is brought to you by my ebook, 101 Ways to Be a Kick-Ass Stepmom. From how to navigate your relationship with your husband's ex-wife, to how to stop feeling insecure about being the second wife, to what to say when your stepkids say, I don't have to listen to you, you're not my mom, to how to introduce an R's baby into your blended family crew, to how to minimize conflict even when the ex seems to thrive off it, to how to get on the same page with your husband about all the things, and so much more. This ebook shares my top 101 tips, strategies, and mindset shifts for stepmoms who are ready to live a kick-ass life. To check it out, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash ebook. 
All right. So question here, how do you navigate extracurricular activities? Who decides what the kids are signing up for? And I think that's referring to between you and um, their mom. Do you guys, like, how do you guys decide that? Well, since we've split, we've continued on with a lot of the activities that they did. And it's just assumed that they're going to do them if they want to. When new ideas come up, I will suggest that one of the kids wants to play ball or one of the kids wants to play tennis or one of the kids wants to do this. And then we'll usually have some dialogue and decide whether we can do it, whether there's time, whether kids really want to, whether it's the right thing for the kids. So I don't think uh, there's been some small disagreements on extracurriculars, but usually we can get through it. And the kids are getting to an age now where one didn't want to play soccer for a season and then went back and one didn't want to play soccer and went and played ball. And we've almost left it to the kids. Yeah. We like them to do things, but we also realize, you know, we don't want to overwhelm them with too much. So we've almost left it to, to them. We will obviously give them a little bit of a nudge or a push if we think they're going down the wrong path or they're good at something and they should continue on with it. Cause I know myself when I was younger, it would have been easy to give up on some of my extracurriculars because I wanted to watch cartoons or hang out with my friends. And I'm glad that I learned that skill or that sport and yeah, absolutely. Worked with that team. So I don't think we've had too many disagreements except for when it gets to be too much where one of us says, you know what, we're already doing this, this, and this, how are we going to Manage this. that. Yeah. So what would you do? You know, cause I know a lot of people in co-parenting relationships will run into problems where one parent adamantly wants to sign them up for gymnastics or hockey. And the other parents like, no, it's, in, it's, you know, impeding on my time and I don't want to be doing that on my time with the kids. What's your advice in that situation? That's really hard. I think we, we've run into that once in a certain sport that um, I wanted the kids to do and she didn't. And it was very frustrating because I thought we were taking something away from the kids and it's hard, you know, you have to come to some sort of compromise, but I think at the end of the day, it's about the kids. And I think it's really important. I was just going to say at the end of the day, kids want to do it and they're pushing to do it and we can do it, whether it's the affordability or the time, if we can do it, I think it's in the kid's best interest that we, that we do. And I think it would be easy to call each of us out. I'm not pointing the finger at her, but it could be me that you're being selfish if you don't, want to do what's best for your kids. But again, I understand these extracurriculars can go way too far. You know, I see parents that have their kids in something every day, every night. And you know what? Let the kids at times just be kids and chill out and play and do those things. So I think as long as it isn't becoming overwhelming and too much of a time constraint and, you know, too much on the kids, I think let the kids make some of the decisions. Yeah. And I think it's also important to remember there are two things I want to say. The first is that what one parent may feel like is in the kid's best interest is maybe not the same as what the other parent thinks. And different parents have different values and different, you know, perspectives and different ways of coping with, you know, extracurricular schedules and all of that. So it is important to remember that like there really is, it's up to the parents and they, they may have different views. And the other thing is, is that I think it's so important to stop saying my time with the kids. There's nothing that makes me cringe more than when a parent will say, well, that's my time with the kids. No, it's your kid's time. It's still their time. And they shouldn't miss out on anything that they would have gotten to experience if their parents were together. It is not their fault that their parents split. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that really gets me riled up. You know, it's so riled up that I'm going to go to the next question. (laughs) 
All right. Have you dealt with financial struggles related to the kids and child support? Oh, absolutely. Wah, wah, wah. I think think every family that separates, it it changes your financial situation. Would have been cheaper to keep her. Yeah, it's a country song, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good country song. (laughs) I think it, yeah, I think that is probably one of the bigger battles is when you're all of a sudden splitting things and trying to allocate funds and there's disagreements on how those funds are going to be allocated towards the kids. I mean, you have a certain lifestyle together and then when you separate, your lifestyle changes. Yeah, and you'll often look- You have to, you know what? And I want to say this, you have to accept that. You've separated, you have to accept- I didn't really want to accept that my life is going to change, but yeah, I had to sell some assets and I had to do some things when I first separated. And yeah, I gave up some things that I loved, but that's just part of it. But some people think that life should just carry on. And, and then again, with the kids, you can't do everything. It's hard. Sometimes you make decisions because of, of uh, the financial obligations. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, you send out, you know, whatever check it is, maybe it's alimony, maybe it's child support, whatever your situation is. And then you think about all the things that you could do with that money and the freedom that you could have or the experiences that you could have. Like, it's really easy to kind of get into that place where you do have that extra resentment. And I know there's a lot of stepmoms who struggle with that because they think, well, if we didn't have to pay child support, then we would be able to do this. But honestly, you cannot hang out in that place of resentment because there's nothing you can do about it. Like that is, it's like, it's like a bill that you need to pay every single month. And it's, I think, you know, getting caught up in that frustration over and over and over again and continuing to fixate on it, it's not healthy. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I've, I've talked to people that have been separated and finances are always an issue or money always seems to be an issue. Yes. Money is always an issue in every relationship. And then you throw in like child support and expenses and all that stuff. And it gets extra, extra complicated. And I don't think anyone doesn't want to support their children. I think it's just the way the system works now and an equalization of lifestyle or how they want to portray it. A lot of times it's not going towards the children. It's subsidizing, I think, other things. But Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, at the end of the day, you can't control where your child support goes. You can't control how it's being spent, right? That's, that's absolutely out of your control. And that's where, you know, the system is being abused in times in many situations. But again, I talk to stepmoms all the time about things that are just absolutely outside of their control. And you can't, you have to, you have to separate yourself from that because, you know, it, it is what it is. What are you going to do? But my dad does say, so my dad paid child support when my parents split. And he said, you know, it seems like it's going to go on forever. And it seems like this really big burden over your shoulders. And he goes, and all of a sudden it's done. And you look back and you realize how quickly it went by. So maybe that gives some people <laughs> some hope if they're struggling right now, but that's, that's what my dad said for sure. All right. So the next question is what kind of chores do the kids have? I think, do you even ex- know? <laughs> no, no, I think there's expectations around the house of things they're supposed to do. And then we don't have you know, chores. We don't. Yeah. I don't think we're the best at actually making sure they do things, but we? there's an expectation that, yeah, we, we, okay. I think there's an expectation that, you know, they keep their room neat and they do certain things and they help out. And in the summer now we have the kids, you know, 
two or three of them. They all do little things, mm-hmm. help out. We've done some gardening chores and one helped with that. We've got one now starting to cut the lawn. So, and, and actually some of them embrace it and want to. They want the money. Do stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I would say we don't have specific chores because I actually suck at following through with that on a daily basis. I felt like that was more of a chore for me. I think we're inconsistent. We want to, we have all these great ideas that we're going to get the kids to do these things and help out. And Remember that really great chore chart I had? Off. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty. It was really nice, but. <laughs> Never Last did it. Of the week. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to give off the idea that we don't have chores for the kids. We definitely do have expectations. Like they do have to make sure their room's clean. And if we ask them to do something, they do it. Yeah. And and I think they, by and large, they do. There's times. That oh yeah. I'll run out the door. I mean, when they are down in the basement and um, they mess it up and have their friends over, they know they've got to go down and clean it up and we make sure they do. And yeah. And I'll run out the door and say, Hey, can you do the dishwasher before I get home? Or can you do this and that? And and they do it. So it's basically, there isn't a set, you know, chore list, but if you're asked to do something, you better do it. All right. So the next question is how do you decide who does the kids chauffeuring? Does it always fall on Darren or you? That's interesting. Cause we were just having that conversation as we hopped on this podcast. Care to answer? I think you do some of it when I'm at work and I just, it's hard for me to slip away and do it. Yeah. But on weekends and evenings, it's typically me that goes out. And you do the late night. Around and picks, you know, one of them went to a party a few weeks ago and I picked them up at midnight. Uh, one of them works till eight o'clock a lot of nights. So I picked them up at eight o'clock. So I think the expectation is once we're home for the day and work is done, I do most of the chauffeuring. Right. But you also work long hours. So in the afternoon, I do do most of the chauffeuring in terms of like work drop off and taking them to appointments or taking them to hockey practice. So actually, you know what? It is probably pretty even. It's pretty even. But the thing is, and I, a lot of stepmoms or just people have said to me, do you feel like a lot of the responsibilities are just put on you with the kids? Like, is that fair to you to feel like you have to be doing all of that running around? And you know what? I'm Darren's wife. I'm their stepmom. We are a family and we work together. So if he's at work and I have flexibility with everything that I do, then yeah, I'm absolutely going to go and, you know, do the running around because that at the end of the day benefits our family as a whole more than say me being like, okay, Darren, you need to, you know, these, these kids are your responsibility. You need to, you know, schedule your time and come pick them up. That's not, that's just not how we, I don't know, we do things. No, oh, yeah. I think it works out pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. All right. So next question, how have you managed to create a tight knit sibling unit despite the big age gaps? I think the kids are pretty tight. Kids are very tight. I think since Reese has been born, I remember when she was born and the kids could hardly wait to get to the hospital to see her. And then when she came home, I just think they've always embraced her. And even the two younger ones, they're pretty buddy, buddy. And mm-hmm. Reese has her has her closeness to all of her siblings. Yeah. Even though they're teenagers. So people will say, you know, does the age difference cause any issues? You know, my stepdaughter, she's 16 and Reese is four. They're obviously very, you know, just completely different ages, but they're so close. They're probably upstairs right now hanging out together, you know, watching a movie together. So I think that that the age hasn't been an issue for us. And honestly, I feel like Reese is kind of the thing that we all have in common or the person that yeah. we all have in common. She's, she's I, all I think of us. One of the times I realized how close they are. And again, the huge age difference between 16 and four was when our 16 year old had Reese 
for an afternoon and they walked downtown and she took Reese out for lunch and my dad happened to walk in to where they were and saw the two of them having lunch and thought it was the funniest thing in the world that there's a 16-year-old and a four-year-old having lunch together. But that's the kind of relationship that we're fortunate that, that, that they do have. And then again, Reese with her brothers, same thing. She can hardly wait till they come and she goes out and plays and tries to keep up with them. And they're good with her. Yeah. They're really good. You know, like they make sure she's okay. I'm sure there's times when she annoys them and they've got their friends over, but they're really good with making sure she's included and they get a kick out of her and she does her best. And so do her, like all of their friends love her too. So we'll walk through school and Reese is in junior kindergarten and the grades six, seven, and eight. So are like, Hey Reese, slapping her five and stuff. Like all of the older kids, because of the siblings, they just know who she is. So we didn't really do anything to create that unit other than just, we all do things as a family a lot. And I think that's the other thing too, maybe that's helped is, we do like our family time, you know, we do things and it's about family. You know, when we go away, we love to try and do things that include the whole family that everyone can do. And so we've, we've been good at that. And there will be a time where maybe because of gender, the boys and I want to go do something and you and the girls want to do something. But so far we've been able to take a lot of our vacations and weekends where we're not doing anything and have family events that everybody's included in. Absolutely. Okay. And that is a good little segue into the last question. So do the teens ever not want to come for part of, or the entire week just because of their friends or mood or things that are going on? And how do you respond to that? There's times when they don't want to come because of certain things and they'll stay at their mom's or there's times when they have stayed here for next night. I think we're pretty flexible. Yeah. I think we're really good at that because that has happened both ways where, there's something going on in town. It's easier, you know, our 16 year old, she'll say, you know, I'm going into town. Is it all right if I just stay at mom's because of this? And yep, no problem. Or, you know, we'll have the boys out here and just send her a text and say, you know, one of our sons has friends over. Is it okay if they just stay the night? And I think we've been really good at that and flexible. And if there is something going on over that way, you know, yeah, go and stay there if it's okay with your mom. Yeah. And hopefully if there's something going on here, we'll say, is it okay if we have the kids? Cause this is going on. And she's been really good about that too. Yeah. And it goes back to the, the belief. It's the kid's time. It's not our time. It's not her time. It's the kid's time. And we don't want them to miss out on things because their parents are split and they have two homes, right? It's not, you know, Yeah, I think that's the big thing. It's not fair to them to to be held back from something because they're with me for that weekend. Yeah. You know, and you can't take it personally. They go off with their friends and it happens to be over by where she is or a connection that she has. I think it was last summer, her cousins came in and they have kids the exact same age as our kids and they wanted to see their cousins. Yeah. You know, let's go do it. You know? Yeah. We're all for it. And even when they'll say, you know, there's been times when say they maybe want special time with their mom or special time with you. Everyone's really good about being flexible with that because just because, you know, there's times when Reese just really wants her mom. Mm -hmm. She really wants me or she really wants you. And, you know, we can't take that personally. That's just very, it's, it's just natural and normal. And if that were happening and you guys were married and all under the same roof, you wouldn't take it personally. So I think it's important to always keep that in perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I think we hammered through a lot of the questions. There's some that weren't quite answered, but they will be answered in a follow-up a podcast at some point in time. But thanks, honey. You're welcome, sweetheart. Any last words? No, I don't think so. You're, you're good. You're tapped. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. 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 
All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And guys, uh, that's it for this episode of the podcast. I will chat with you next week. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.